Welcome to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement. This podcast is brought to you by SavingYouTaxes.com and hosted by J. Barry Watts. As an advanced tax strategist and enrolled agent federally licensed by the IRS, Barry is uniquely qualified to go deeper into the Internal Revenue Code than most accountants. He understands and interprets its provisions explaining how they'll help you reduce income taxes you owe so you can direct that previously wasted tax money into tax-free accounts that you can enjoy in your retirement years. Now, on today's episode... Welcome to the Truth About Taxes and Retirement podcast with J. Barry Watts of SavingYouTaxes.com. This is the inaugural podcast, which means that today we get to talk to Barry about Barry and get to know him a little bit better. So let's start from the top, Barry. What made you decide to get into the industry in the first place? Well, there are perhaps uh, more interesting topics than talking to me about me, but I guess we got to start somewhere. So <laughs> I got in this industry, uh, the tax savings side of this industry, because uh, I'd been in the financial industry for 25 years, have uh, traded stocks on the New York Stock Exchange for clients, done financial planning as a certified financial planner, those sorts of things. But the big questions people were always asking me seemed to be tax questions. And early on, I would just say to them, well, you know, that's something you should ask your CPA. And they would respond something to the effect of, well, I've asked, but my CPA doesn't really seem to uh, answer that question or doesn't seem to really know. And so over time, I just discovered that people had a need for tax advice they weren't getting. So I went back and did my schooling and uh, became a tax professional, added that credential and that ability. Now, when I say tax professional, understand in our practice, we don't prepare tax returns. Oh, my goodness, no. What we do is tax strategy work, helping business owners, retirees, people who have accumulated some wealth, help them strategize so that they pay less in income taxes this year and over their lifetime. So who do you generally work with, individuals or businesses? Well, both, actually, because that leads, if you're working with a business person, it leads to working with them in an individual capacity as well. So for business people, the thing is they're making some money, uh, and depending on how their business is structured, they're either paying that tax within the business or they're paying it themselves personally. Either way, there are steps they can take, things they can do that will reduce their income taxes, things that perhaps whoever they are depending on for tax advice, most often a CPA or a tax preparer, strategies that they aren't getting from those people, most usually. And so what we do is bring to the table a new set of thinking through a new lens for business owners. And then that brings with it the opportunity to help those business owners on a personal level as well. So they're reducing taxes both on their business, but personally. And then when we work with people who are getting ready to enter the retirement phase of life, they've spent all their years accumulating money into accounts that are going to be taxed throughout their retirement. And they've not given much thought usually to what the taxes are going to look like on those accounts as they retire. And many of them are shocked to find they actually pay more income tax in retirement than they were paying during their working years. And so there are some strategies that we can use to help protect them from those taxes and ease the tax burden a little bit along the way. All right. Now, that's quite a wide range of clients. How do you find new clients? How do you acquire them? Well, it's really only two kinds of clients. It's always individuals. 
And then some of those individuals just happen to own businesses while other individuals get their money from working somewhere. They're W-2 kinds of people. Many people come to us in the form of referrals, of course, from satisfied clients. We do a lot of educational events uh, out in the community and around the country where people will hear us speak somewhere, hear me speak most often. That will result in them calling us or reaching out in some way. And we will set up a time to talk with them and, and see if we can help them. And we can't always help them, frankly, but uh, oftentimes we can. And those are the people that we focus on is those for whom we can make a difference. Now, you mentioned educational events. What kind of client education do you do? Do you feel you, you really should bring these people up to speed on a number of things? Or are you just giving them a broader view? Well, it depends on what a person wants. Um, I think educationally, what people want to know is that you know, as a consultant, what you're talking about. And so it requires a level of instruction for them to get the sense that you're competent and that you know what you know. So we try to teach at that level so they understand what's possible so they can begin to think along with us about how taxes are working. And as we do that, you'll see them begin to nod their heads and say, oh, my goodness, I get it. Nobody ever mentioned that to me. I had a banker here a while back say to me, why has no one ever told me any of this before? That's what we're trying to do is help people understand there's a whole world out there in terms of taxes and tax planning and tax strategy that is primarily not being addressed, certainly by the average tax preparer. And they probably are missing that information. And we want to help them see what's possible. And once they know what's possible, well, then they've got a choice to uh, begin implementing what's possible or to keep doing it the way they have been. And that will be fine. But if you don't know what's possible, then you can't make the changes. And in some cases, those changes can be worth six figures over $100,000 in taxes in any one year. Now, for most people, it's not going to be that big. For many, it will be, if they're business owners, perhaps. But for the average person who's getting ready to retire, you know, let's say that you change their tax bill by twenty dollars or $30,000. Well, that's still a big mm -hmm. difference, and they didn't know it was possible. So um, generally, we get greeted with hugs and kisses because they're so thrilled with what they've discovered. I like that. Fresh baked cookies, too, huh? Uh, well, once in a while, yes. <laughs> you keep saying we. Tell me about some of the people on your team and what they do. Well, great question. Thank you very much for asking because I'm awfully proud of our team. The first person on our team is an associate planner and tax consultant, a fellow by the name of Eric Burleson. He does the same thing I do, just with a different set of clients, generally people that he's developed. And sometimes he'll bring uh, bigger, more sophisticated and complicated cases to me because I've been doing it longer. Eric is uh, rather well known in our community uh, locally, really well known across the state of Missouri, because when he's not working with us, he actually serves in the Missouri State Senate. He's um, in the news a lot and finds himself across the papers and being talked about for the various stands he takes and the legislation that he promotes and so forth. So Eric's day job when he's not serving the citizens up in Jefferson City is uh, to work here with us uh, in our practice and uh, help people with tax needs and financial needs and retirement planning and things of that nature. Then I have a husband and wife team who work in our back office. Nola Peterson has been on my staff uh, since 1998. So that is going on, what, uh, 22? I think we're in our 23rd mm -hmm. year, if I'm doing the math mm -hmm. correctly. We like to say that she came and joined us when our entire book of client business consisted of a two-drawer filing cabinet, and one of those drawers was half full with files. 
So that's where we were when she first started with us all those many years ago. Uh, and then about a year later, her husband, who'd been working in the banking industry, came and joined our staff as well. His name is John. And uh, John runs our back office. Nola is kind of the woman who runs everything across the entire platform, uh, knows what's going on, has her finger in every pie. John's job is to run the back office and the client account processing, things of that nature. He's the guy who makes sure all the paperwork is straight and true. And then he has an assistant whose name is Lisa. And uh, Lisa helps him on the insurance side of the business, because when you're dealing with insurance companies, there are a lot of um, additional details, more complexity, actually, in the insurance side of the business than on the investment side of the business. And so Lisa keeps the paperwork straight on that side of the world. We've got a couple other staff people who uh, are in and out on a, a part-time basis, but uh, that is the consistent core is those five people, including me. Nice. Very Nice. Do you guys go out into the community and, and are you active in any groups? From time to time, we'll be invited to speak at various and sundry places. Uh, corporations often invite us in to do training for their employee groups. So we are a resource to the human resource and benefits kinds of people and do training events for them on an ongoing basis. Sometimes we've got companies that are set up that we go in to train on a monthly basis, and they just kind of run those employees through those training events. Because if you've got employees, you want to keep them, you want to take good care of them, you want to help them get answers to the questions they have, and you want them to see you as caring about them. And so if you're a human resources person, this is one of the ways that you make that happen is providing these educational events uh, to them. That's the way that we're most plugged into the community. But, you know, when the Chamber of Commerce, the Lions Club calls and wants us to make a presentation to them, well, we're certainly happy to do that as well. This is a pretty big question, actually. But if you could boil it down for us, what is your business philosophy? My business philosophy really wraps around the idea that if you don't get the taxes right, nothing else matters. We spend all of our time and energy uh, generally when we're dealing with financial things, uh, trying to pick the best mutual fund or uh, select the best stock or hire the advisor who we think is the best investment selection expert. The simple fact is no matter how good you are at any of those things, the biggest hole in your financial bucket, as I like to call it, is taxes. And if you don't deal with the tax problem you're facing, it really doesn't matter who you are. You're not going to be able to accumulate the kind of money that you need to. And if you've got it accumulated, you're going to wind up handing too much of it, more than you expected, back to Uncle Sam in the form of taxes. So our focus is if you don't get the taxes right, nothing else matters. And that's why we start the conversation talking about taxes. And then we move to finances after that. But we have to get the taxes right first. So that's my business philosophy. You mentioned earlier that you had gone back for education when it came to taxes. What exactly did you have to go back for? Do you have any designations? Or tell me about that education. Well, I'm considered an enrolled agent. Actually, there are, are two sets of people primarily who deal with uh, taxes. Uh, one of them is uh, in the CPA community. They tend to be preparers. You know, the words are the initial CPA stand for certified public accountant. And really, if you're a CPA, the only thing that you are technically qualified to do that other people are not is you're qualified to do accounting and audits for publicly traded companies. 
And if you'll think about that, most companies aren't publicly traded. They're mom and pop owned shops or partnerships. Uh, so they don't actually require public accounting. But the certified public accountant is qualified to do work for publicly traded companies. Now, uh, there are a lot of people who are, of course, not certified public accountants who are also doing work that are just tax preparers, uh, and they have tax preparation practices. So they're really good with the government forms and so forth. In my case, uh, I actually got training that is IRS approved, and the IRS facilitates how the training happens and the kind of training that it is to become what they call an enrolled agent. And what that means is that technically I can represent someone before the IRS. So if they have a tax problem, I can walk in front of the IRS and say, this is my client, John, and John has a tax problem and I want to help resolve that. If you don't have either the CPA designation or aren't a lawyer, the only way you can represent someone uh, in front of the IRS is if you're an enrolled agent. That is our specialty. Oftentimes, CPAs actually defer to enrolled agents from the tax side because CPAs are accountants. It means that they know how to make the numbers all balance and be sure the columns are right. And they've got training in making sure that that all gets translated correctly over to the tax forms. But they don't necessarily know what the tax law is. And that's where we specialize. What does the tax code say? And how do you apply the tax code to your specific situation? All right. Now that's work. All that was work and work and work. Tell me about what you do when you're not working. What do you do for fun? Well, uh, that's a great question. I've spent uh, the past 20 some years raising children and that is fun in and of itself, but you don't think a lot about your personal fun. You just think about where the kids have to be next. My kids are now <laughs> so grown true. up and gone and have fledged the nest. <laughs> we live on a farm actually with all sorts of livestock. We've got cows and goats and chickens and pigs and horses and donkeys and llamas. And no I alpacas? think I covered all of them there. No, no, no I don't al- have any alpacas, just no. llamas. On the farm, we, uh, we're working all the time. And the, the funny thing about your question is, you say, what do you do for fun? Well, we're busy farming. So on the weekends, uh, we don't have a lot of time for the fun side necessarily. Or maybe I should say, I look at it and scratch my head and say, what's fun about this? <laughs> Yesterday, in fact, I was digging in the dirt in my garden. And, you know, I've got dirt under my nails and I'm thinking exactly what's the fun part of this? Well, the fun part of that's going to come in a few months here when I have a luscious tomato oh, grown yes. out of the soil oh, yes. of Webster County where my home is and not tasting like it came in on a truck mm-hmm. uh, and laid around Walmart for several days. So that's why I go to all that particular work. My wife and I have a boat that we keep down on Lake Table Rock. Many weekends, we'll find ourselves a few hours out on the boat, just kind of circling around, or we'll get in a cove and drop anchor and just kind of sit and relax. Those are the things that we spend most of our time doing that and being with our children. If you had all the money in the world, what would you do? You know, that sounds like the kind of question you ask a Miss America pageant (laughs) candidate. And the answer, of course, is world peace. Money is an 80% solution. Dan Sullivan said that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what that meant is that if you have enough money so you can take care of the problems that just are taken care of by writing a check, then it frees you up to do the other creative things with your mind, to bring creative solutions to the table, to solve the problems that money can't solve because money can't solve every problem. Mm -hmm. So I suppose if I had all the money in the world, the first thing that I would do is staff myself in such a way that every other issue was totally resolved. And I could focus 100% of my time 
on the big issues that money can't solve and coming up with creative solutions to deal with those particular problems. That's what I'd like to do. You've got people who don't have clean drinking water, and it's hard to watch that and see people drinking out of the same pool of water that the livestock are standing in. When you see that, it's not hard to pull out your checkbook and write a check to drill a well, those sorts of things. You see people who don't have health care both in in the United States, but certainly outside the United States, who don't have basic disease prevention. So uh, there are a lot of things that you could do. But the simple fact is, I don't think anyone will ever have enough money to, to address all of those problems. And so what we'd like to do is just start with where we're at and solve the problems closest to home to the best degree that we can. Very nicely said. And thinking of that, who is your hero? Well, I guess I would answer the question with a question and say, in what capacity, in what context are you asking that question? In your capacity as a human being. My day starts and ends with a Middle Eastern philosopher. <laughs> I sometimes call him that. Jesus, who changes how I live my life and how I think about things. I have to say that that is my biggest hero and the one to whom I would pay the greatest devotion. But there are a lot of people who've done a lot of incredibly uh, remarkable things in the world, and I'm fascinated by them, and I enjoy reading about them and hearing and learning about them, and on a rare occasion, getting to be with them. It's funny, I, I wouldn't have anticipated bringing this up, but one of the people who has had more influence on business people in the world is a guy by the name of Zig Ziglar. Zig died, oh, has it been 10, uh, probably nine years ago, I think. But about a year before he died, I had the opportunity to have lunch with Zig, uh, just he and his daughter there in Dallas. It was quite fascinating and remarkable to be with this man who I had spent years idolizing, truly, mm -hmm. uh, who had had such a profound influence on me. And then uh, having the opportunity to just sit and visit with him and hear about his life and take personal challenge from him, much like the challenge that he issued from the stage all of those years. So there are lots of people in lots of capacities who I think deserve the hero award, just depending on what the topic is on that particular day. And playing off of that, do you have a favorite person in history and why? I probably would circle back around to Jesus. I think he's the hinge person in history. Mm -hmm. I think most of history revolves around what he did and what he came to do, and that has influenced how our culture has been formed in such dramatic ways. But there are favorite presidents. Everybody loves Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson. There are favorite economists, Keynes being one of them. There'll be like three people who listen to the whole podcast who will have any <laughs> idea probably who I'm talking to. Oh, Keynesian, come uh, on now. There are favorite uh, there are favorite politicians, although sometimes it's kind of hard to come up with one of those names. <laughs> uh, so I'll say mine is Eric Burleson here in our office. Of course, that would be a safe answer. There are a lot of remarkable people in history. Mother Teresa and Lottie Moon, someone that you don't know, who was a missionary who uh, went to China. You may know about Livingston, the missionary. So I'm personally interested in people who are interested in big things, world-changing kinds of things, far more significant than, wow, he was the greatest hitter in Major League Baseball. Now, that's cool, too. And I'm for it uh, if you like Major League Baseball, and I do to some degree, but, you know, a game a year is kind of a, enough for me personally. So I'm interested in the people who've set out to change the world and in some capacity have done so. Tell me one thing most people don't know about you. Oh, mm -hmm. one thing people don't know about. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I suppose here's an odd one for you that people wouldn't be aware of. Many people know because they hear me speak and it usually works into my, my conversations that I grew up on a farm, uh, grew up on a dairy farm, in fact, milking cows. And so that probably explains to you a part of why I live on a farm today and why we have a working farm still in the family. But the, one of the things that people probably don't know about me is that I'm actually a graduate of the Missouri School of Auctioneering. Uh, oh, which they tell. call the Harvard of auctioneering. So um, uh, of all the crazy things, that's uh, was something that I did a few years ago, just kind of for fun and interest is I went to, uh, went to auction school. All right. Now I've got to say this, prove it, prove it to me. <laughs> Dollar bid now two, you able to bid two, who bid three, three now, four, you able to bid four now, five, I have <laughs> sold it your way. Nice. Very nicely done. You know, the funny thing, listen to yourself laugh right there. Yeah. People always laugh when they hear an auction chant that it, yeah, it breaks them into giggles i don't know why children are fascinated with it i there's one little boy in my life he just graduated high school in fact now so he's not a little boy anymore but his name is kurt brown kurt when he's a little bitty boy he would say talk fast mr barry talk fast <laughs> say the words fast so you know i would drop into that just for goofiness once in a while but it's kind of a fun thing that allows me to sell a pie supper now and then or something that somebody may uh, <laughs> may need. And, and certainly there are a lot of interesting things that uh, people who have those kind of credentials do and make a difference in keeping the economy afloat. True, true. All right. What is your mantra or something that you say to yourself to stay focused and on track? Well, to stay focused and on track, the question is what's next? What's next? Because there are so many things that can get us off track, even in the middle of this podcast you know, something flashes up on a screen that needs to be dealt with. And now we've got screens with us all the time and our phones dinging and ringing and buzzing. And if it's not something urgent and important, it's the latest sale from the department store, which drives me nuts when phones go off and you ask somebody, do they need to get it? And they say, oh no, it's just, they're having a sale down at whatever store it happens to be. So <clears throat> my, my mantra is what's next. A way that that applies to our clients is in order to get your financial house in order and your tax house in order, there are a number of steps that must be followed. Uh, sometimes, let's say there might be as many as 20 steps. And frankly, they're not very engaging and exciting steps. They're not the kind of thing that you got up this morning out of bed and said, wow, I want to do number six today. But if we don't do number six, we can't get to number seven, eight, nine, 10, 19, 20. And all the money is after 20. Mm -hmm. So we have to stay focused on the steps and what's next. And that's one of the things that we do in our practice for our clients is we figure out what the steps need to be. And when the clients endorse those steps and say, okay, let's do it. Well, then we become responsible for keeping them on task to get the steps done. And it's amazing how often people will just back off and say, ah, yeah, well, I'm busy. I'm going fishing today. I, I, I'm not going to deal with the step today. But the simple fact is if you don't take care of those steps and get them all done, you will not achieve the tax savings that is possible. You won't achieve the retirement lifestyle that is possible. What you will be able to is sit down the road, maybe when you're 80 years old and uh, wishing that you had more and better and say, you know, maybe I should have paid attention to some of those steps at that time. So we focus on what's next and being sure we're moving to the next step. And what is your proudest achievement? I have two proudest achievements. And their names are? <laughs> How'd you know? Because <laughs> I've got them too. My oldest daughter, Madison, 
just graduated with her graduate degree, an MBA. She lives in the St. Louis metropolitan area and works for a uh, publicly traded company up there in the marketing field. And my baby, who's only about 19 months younger than her, is Sydney. And uh, Sydney just graduated from Missouri State University and has taken a position with Crew C-R-U. That used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ. They do uh, evangelism and spiritual training work on college campuses is their primary focus. And she's going to be joining their national staff here in just a few months. Uh, my girls are really what it's all about. You know, you spend all your life focused on all these different things. And when you get to the age I am, the kids are out of the nest. Uh, I think you tend to just say, you know, that was it. That was what was most important. And the rest of this is just all stuff we're doing. So my great joy, my great delight, my proudest accomplishment are those two girls. And of course, we wouldn't have them if, if it hadn't been for their mama who made it all happen, mm -hmm. kept all the home trains running. And my wife, Kelly, is a piece of work and you would enjoy meeting her. And I hope that, uh, I hope that you have the opportunity to. I do because, too. Because uh, you, you would really love Kel. She is something special. So now with all your proudest achievements moving out of the, the nest here, are you and Kelly the only people keeping up the farm? Just me and Kel uh, on the farm. That's why we work so hard on the weekends having fun. Having as you pose fun. Your question. Occasionally we hire in some help, mm -hmm. but uh, we, we really do enjoy it. We like to work. We're workers. We like doing physical work. And it's good for us to do physical work. Well, I say it's good. Uh, sometimes your back makes you think you shouldn't have done <laughs> so much physical work. But uh, we're, we're the kind of people who have our hands dirty. I was at the barn at 6.30 this morning, uh, and that's one of the first places I'll go when I get home tonight because we're in the middle of, uh, of kidding season mm -hmm. when uh, all of our mamas are having a lot of babies, and so there's a lot to be taken care of right now. But we do enjoy our life on the farm quite a bit, and it's a really nice balance because uh, when I'm in New York uh, in lower Manhattan speaking to the Investment Banking Society, talking to a group of guys who uh, get, and gals who primarily live out on Long Island, they they really can't understand where I come from. And that makes it kind of fun to just sit and tell them stories off the farm. And anytime those people come to visit us here in Southwest Missouri, and sometimes they do, what they're most interested in is not our office and not whatever they flew to Springfield to have the meeting about or not Branson, which is only 30 miles away and all the shows that are down there. What they really get a great kick out of is we take them to the farm and we let them hold baby pigs and we, <laughs> yes. we let them ride donkeys. You know, we show them the teeth on a goat and they're just remarkably uh, humored by all of that. And so that's the thing that our friends all take pictures of and, and take back home with them <laughs> uh, as often as not. All right, Barry, you are front and center right now. Who should listen to your podcast and how can they get in touch with you? Well, there are two groups of people that we help. Number one, business owners who need to reduce income taxes. And number two, people who are approaching retirement, maybe they're at the retirement moment or they just came through the retirement moment. And they're not sure that they have their house in order, particularly with regard to taxes, because they haven't given thought to what the future of taxation looks like for retirees and the impact of the fact that all of their money in retirement is probably going to be coming to them from withdrawals from their IRA accounts, uh, conversions, rollovers from their 401ks uh, that are now in their IRAs. And so they've got a big tax problem ahead of them and, and ha haven't ever thought of it until just this very moment. So those two groups of people are the kinds of folks that we can help. And they can reach us simply by going out onto the World Wide Web and finding savingyoutaxes.com, savingyoutaxes.com. 
and there's a phone number and they can dial us uh, or they can email us and uh, they'll reach uh, Nola or Lisa or John in my office and we'll set up a time to have a telephone conversation with them or to see them uh, personally and uh, we'll be able to help them from there. Thanks, Barry. J. Barry Watts of SavingYouTaxes.com. To subscribe to the Truth About Taxes and Retirement podcast, take advantage of the subscribe button right on this page. And there's also a share button that makes it so easy to start a conversation with colleagues and friends. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of SavingYouTaxes.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional tax and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your own qualified advisor with any questions you may have regarding taxes and investing.